Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin today by calling in to the spirits to hold us well in this discussion. I call out to the ancestors. I call out to yours, all those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line and those who bring mine. I call out to those who carry that legacy forward. I call out to the dreamers who dreamt of a better future. I call out to our ancestors who understood the true nature of things and taught that to their children, that their children might dream well and dream responsibly. I call out to the ancestors who would join us here today that we might learn to be responsible dreamers ourselves. So I call out to these ancestors and thank them for being with us here today. It is on their shoulders that we stand, and I have great gratitude for their presence in my life and their presence in yours. May we become more aware of them. May we feed that relationship and nurture it that we might learn from those who have gone before us and go forward in a good way. I call out to those most ancient, beautiful, and exquisite ancestor, the earth. The earth as a being, the earth as a planet who moves through her life surrounded by heavenly bodies. Whether or not she is even aware of us, who knows? But I call out to this great dreamer who dreamt of life. And we now populate the surface of this great being. We give thanks to her for home, for belonging, and for this amazing thing we call life that is a miracle. We may not be the only life in the universe, but I am sure it is rare. It is rare and special and precious. And we give thanks to the earth for teaching us about the connection and interconnection necessary to tend this rare and special gift we each carry in our day, this gift of life. So we give thanks to life and the responsibility to live it. With our feet firmly planted in the earth, we allow our energy to rise up to the sky and we call out all the way up to the highest part of the universe, we call out for this energy to be with us here today, to bring us generosity and inspiration, to illuminate the path here for the openness of our heart, that we might find blessing in our day and offer it. We call out for the generosity and the benevolence of life and all of these energies that come to us from above. We call that above energy down, the sky energy down into each of ourselves, into our circle here today of virtual reality. We call this energy in to mix with the earth within us and blend within that great energy of alchemy of life that comes from the merging, this place where the earth and sky dance together. And we call out to that place in the center of each one of us, the heart, the heart that is the same in all realms, the heart that carries the great wisdom, that heart that carries the knowledge of your heart path in this life. We call out to the heart and we ask the heart to be here in its most miraculous capacity, its capacity to merge the great passions of the belly, the code in your belly that carries why you are here, the knowledge of your soul's true purpose. We call out to the heart in its most magical capacity to merge this passions of the belly with the clarity and the wisdom of the heart and of the mind to call this energy in that we might find a way to do what we have come here to do in our life 
in a way that is good for all living things. And we ask the mind to observe, to learn, to come to know the true nature of things and to help us to understand how we might creatively bring who we are into the world. So with all of these energies called around us, I give thanks for their presence. May we hear what needs to be heard and may we speak what needs to be spoken. So I want to give thanks also to those listeners who allow this show to happen. Those listeners whose generosity keeps this show free for all to listen to who have access to a computer on the air or who can download the show. We give thanks in particular to Sharon and Mark who have donated recently. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, know that you are now able to express that meaning, to be moved by that feeling in your heart, to simply give back to the show. You're welcome to donate any amount, large or small, and to do it simply um, through the Internet. Go to our show site, whyshamanismnow.com, click on the support button, and you're welcome to offer any amount that suits you as a way to express this exchange of energy between the meaning that the show has brought to you and your offering then to help to keep the show available to others. And this, of course, is the topic of today's show, is energy exchange. So we'll speak today about this essence energy that is the core, at the core of, well, every shamanic culture that I've been able to connect with in my life, in my short life. It is at the core, and yet it is such a challenge and such a mystery to contemporary people, contemporary Western people. Um, Even in my own shamanic community with students that have studied with me for a decade or more, this this awareness, this uh, the the ability to cultivate an intuitive relationship with energy exchange, just continues to elude us. It is um, it is truly the great mystery. Um, So before I get too far into the show, let me remind everybody that we are live. I am here with you in person for those of you who are listening right now. And you are invited to call in with your questions at 512-772-1938. Or if you are on the cocreatornetwork.com site, that's co-creatornetwork.com site, you're welcome to Skype in. Just push the Skype button. Or you can email me at christina at lastmesscenter.org. And we'd be happy to bring your questions um, into the show today. So energy exchange. Okay, so reciprocity and gratitude, or perhaps better expressed as some energy that is both reciprocity and gratitude. Not either or, but both together somehow. This energy, whatever we might call it, is at the core of a true shamanic stance in the world. In other words, I am challenging those of you who consider yourselves shamanic practitioners today and yet do not live from this place because I believe this awareness of energy exchange is at the core of the shamanic practices around the world, around the globe. Because... To be aware of and try to stay in balance with the energy exchange in your life is the only sane way to respond to the energetic reality of our existence. Um, And this reality of our existence is exposed through shamanic work. So there's no way you can be working authentically in shamanism and remain untouched by this awareness that 
reciprocity and gratitude is essential in maintaining our relationship with spirit, maintaining good relationship with the different aspects of ourself, with others, with our environment, and so on. So I want to actually thank the lovely young man from France who informed me that my encyclopedia could be pirated from the internet. Not that I am encouraging you all to go out and do that, um, but it was an interesting moment and because I found myself first flattered. I mean, it's an awfully big book to bother downloading. But at the same time, my second thought was, wow, good luck with that. You know, good luck with taking without an exchange of energy. Because as I thought more about this, I thought about all the ancestors I have found stuck here, you know, as I work to clear ancestral energies for my clients. All the ancestors I have found stuck here in the land of the living, creating enormous amounts of, you know, histories, generations of addiction and abuse and problems in their descendant line because they tried to get something for nothing because they didn't pay their debts and in particular because they didn't pay their debts with those who tended their souls with those who tended their hearts they didn't pay their debts to those who loved them they didn't pay their debts to those who gave freely to them be they of the spirit world or the physical world they didn't pay their debts to nature this planet gives constantly so that we, and I would probably stand here today and say we, it's too many of the we's, but there's too many of us. But nonetheless, the planet gives and gives and gives. There is no way any one of us could be alive here today if this planet wasn't constantly giving. When was the last time you said thank you? Not grace to God at your table, but got down on the earth and gave thanks to the dirt that grew that food. When was the last time you thanked the elements that all eventually come together in the fruit that is so ripe and being harvested now, at least in the Northern Hemisphere? When was the last time you humbled yourself to give thanks for the bounty in the grocery store? We are being given to all the time. Are we in a state of balance? reciprocity and gratitude for that energy. I can't tell you how many ancestors I've cleared because they were not, which means they didn't teach their descendants to be either. How often have I found a soul part stolen by a soul thief who just wanted something he or she was unwilling to do the work to cultivate within his or herself? How often is soul theft not an act of evil, Not an act of some hideous being, but an act of someone unwilling to engage in the energy exchange necessary to cultivate within their life what they want. And how often have I found that the path of sorcery is taken when it simply appears easier than feeling and attending to the emotions in one's heart? I have not seen an act of sorcery that did not ultimately Go back to the unwillingness to feel the more challenging things in life to feel. That it is easier to step around the pain. It appears easier to step around the pain, to react, to retaliate, to move in jealousy, 
instead of attending to the tender feelings in our heart, becoming vulnerable, moving into the unknown and following the path of that wound. Instead, people go to pay the sorcerer. So there is so much I realized as I contemplated this, so much of the work, so much of shamanic illness comes out of this dream of getting what I'm not willing to pay for. And I mean pay in its broadest sense. I am unwilling to exchange the energy for this. So I'm going to try to take it for free. And I really find, as I go deeper and deeper into my own shamanic life, that this essence that I have found in each indigenous culture that I have worked with or even studied, and not not worked with, but just studied, that this experience of that energy exchange and that effort to find balance in that exchange is at the root of these shamanic practices. I, I can still remember how working with Maladoma Somme, uh, which is a system of shamanism from West Africa that involves um, animal sacrifice. And what I, what I saw in that is if you sacrificed too much, the sacrifice wasn't taken. If you sacrificed too little, the sacrifice wasn't taken. That that art of sacrifice was not capitalistic. It wasn't, you know, you pay more and you get more. You know, you offer more to the Catholic Church and you um, end up making sure your ancestors get buried in the right place. I mean, it, it's not not to dump on the Catholic Church, but everybody's religion has got a history of periods of greed and corruption. So here, here we had this indigenous practice that involved sacrifice, the letting of blood. It was very challenging to experience as a contemporary person, but what I saw at the very core of it was it was the art of balance, the art of correct energy exchange. It wasn't more is better. And it wasn't about trying to get away with what you could, the littlest amount that you could. It was about feeling in your heart the balanced exchange. And so what's important really here, I think, to understand is that this is coming out of our dreaming. So I live in North America, right? And people came to North America pursuing a dream, wanting something. And there's nothing wrong with that. That we each have an essential dream within us that must be manifest, that emerges from our soul's purpose. And so the first people who ever came to North America came pursuing their dreams, whatever they were. I don't presume to know. But they came for a reason, and it sure was a whole lot harder for them to get there than my ancestors, but they got here and they came and they flourished. And my own ancestors came pursuing a dream. For them, it was a dream of freedom. Now, granted, they weren't so clear about everybody else's freedom. But nonetheless, they came wanting to pursue a dream. And in that also was seated the dreams of greed. And through that, there were people who came to North America because they were forced to come here because of other people's greed. But even in that, there's also what has become the immigrant dream, which is which was actually a piece of the original American dream, which is if I come here and I work hard, I can create a good life for my family. So I'm not going to be bound by class or station 
but if I if I work hard, I will receive back for my merit. And that that understanding is similar. That if I am willing to give, that will be returned. It's not like being stuck somewhere in a caste system where no matter how brilliant I am, how gifted, how whatever it is that I offer, the exchange will never be um, equal because I'm held at this certain place because of the nature of my birth. And so this possibility of this equal exchange has been a part of the dream of people coming to North America, I think, from the beginning. But sadly, what I see now in America emerging is this new American dream, is I want everything now for nothing. And I see this even in these new spiritual movements and the spiritual consumerism. I want to go by my way to enlightenment. I, want, I only got this much time, but I've got this much money, so I'm going to go sit with this person and that person and buy my way. That the unwillingness, as I said in the beginning, to lay your belly down on the earth and give thanks to the dirt and to do that practice until something happens, to exchange your lifeblood, your time, your breath, every beat of your heart, to get what it is that is of value to you. There's nothing wrong with wanting to manifest your dream from a shamanic perspective that is why we are here. But what are you wanting? And is it your dream? And what are you exchanging? What are you willing to exchange to stay in balance with all the energies around you to manifest that dream? What I believe from shamanism, I didn't know this before shamanism, but what I believe from shamanism is that we are powerful dreamers, that our dreams do shape reality, and that we must dream sustainable dreams. Human beings, left to their own devices, pretty much usually extinguish themselves. And I mean human beings utterly left to their own devices without the intervention and knowledge of spirit or others. Human beings pretty much extinguish themselves. Now, plants and animals don't do that as a system. Now, granted, populations rise up and die off, but there's a constantly co-creating life force that goes on in any ecosystem. And ecosystems evolve and eventually turn over into other ecosystems. But the point is, the plants and animals and the bugs and the birds and all the, you know, spiders and everybody seem to coexist in a way as a whole, as the whole of nature that is self-sustaining, self-correcting, evolving, changing. But nonetheless, it seems to be self-sustaining. You throw human beings into the mix, and we can just destroy anything. And what's important about shamanic history is that it speaks to this. There are tales in shamanic stories about this, always. They're teaching stories because this is what humans do until they gain the knowledge necessary to live in a sustainable way. Because what's going on here isn't apparent, Granted, I, you know, yes, you're right. What's going on here is not apparent. What is real is not what is on the surface. So it's not always that easy to see. Granted. But the shamanic histories always talk of a time 
Well, they talk of a time first when humans existed as part of nature. They could talk with everything and everything could talk with them. And at that time, the spirit world was believed to be actively infused in all things. There are some really beautiful Chinese movies or movies out of China, when they're mostly Chinese movies, I guess, that talk about that time when the distinction between humans and the gods was not so obvious that you could, you know, run into a god at the market, basically. So you needed to be always aware of your energetic exchange with things because that person you just tried to rip off at the, you know, pomegranate stall might have been a deity, you know. And so, so the point was that there, there's always the story of the time when humans were part of nature and then whatever happens and then humans aren't able to hear anymore. They're not able to speak anymore. They're not able to understand so clearly the interconnectedness of things. They're left out in some way, usually because of their own actions, but nonetheless, they get left out. So what happens is left to their own devices without an ability to communicate and to experience the interconnectedness of things. That is the energetic reality of our world. So without that ability, the human beings start to kill themselves and they pretty much start to die. And in the shamanic history, the first shaman comes. The first shaman comes one way or another, either a person that gets initiated or a deity that um, comes down out of of, um, gratitude. generosity towards the humans, um, pity for the humans, or it's some kind of human deity hybrid kind of thing. But anyway, the point is the first shaman arrives and teaches the people how to live. And in the center of those teachings is the reciprocity and gratitude necessary to sustain right relationship with all living things until such a time where a human being matures enough spiritually to be able to feel these energies and sense these energies. And that this is, this is at the core of the first shaman's teachings. The person who brings the wisdom to begin to cultivate life, to cultivate human life and community, and to create the moral and ethical standards, not just between humans, but between humans and the natural world, the the physical plants and animal world, but also humans and the spirit world. And so this this teaching tries to come back, well, frankly, daily, but it tries to come back again and again and again through shamanism. I believe it is the reason shamanism in general is having this huge resurgence all over the globe. Because it is a way that we can access this wisdom again. How do we dream a sustainable dream? What is really going on here? What is the true nature of the energy here? And how can we possibly correct this imbalance? How can we possibly pay our debts? How can we possibly create true energetic balance? So yes, those of you who have figured this out already, I am saying, that the current economic collapse is simply the manifestation of this other dream. That we were already so grossly out in debt energetically to the spirit world, to the earth, to each other, to the humanity in other people. We're so grossly in debt energetically that now we're just simply, certainly in America, we're just simply having it manifest physically. So we need to dream a sustainable dream here. So we stand poised here, you know, ready to extinguish ourselves once again. Um, And we need to understand 
that everything is connected. So there isn't anything that is free. Nothing is free because the energy of one thing is being drawn through something else. And that life is most abundant and most sustainable when the energy is free to pass through form to form to form, when the transition moves freely. So, for example, those of you with digestive problems, the energy the food is bringing to you is not free to pass freely into your body and sustain you. So I mean this very practically. I am not talking about high esoteric ideals. This is not the Church of Christina. I am talking physically and practically. Are you allowing the energies of your life to transform from one thing to another freely, to move in this system of energetic exchange? Are you living in a way that you begin to pay your debts? Greed is not sustainable. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure that out. That's pretty clear to kids in grade school. It is not sustainable. But that is not my point, that all this political stuff that is going on, it's political stuff, gender stuff, all of this stuff is not my point. These are symptoms of the point that I want to make here today. So let's take a minute then so I can make this point and look at the true nature of energy at the core of everything here in life as we know it. And I mean this to be the most practical piece of wisdom that can be given. That shamanism has told us this, Taoists have told us this, and right now science is doing the math and proving it. So go read those books if you don't believe me. But the bottom line is energy here moves between two forms. And everything is manifest out of that. So there is pure yang. And yang energy is about expression, um, creativity. It is the movement of that energy out. It is a smile. It is a direct gaze. There is nothing wrong with true yang energy. Pure yang. In other words, yang energy, utterly and completely unperturbed by any other energy in its path. So the natural path of pure yang energy is extinction. It is the effervescence that ultimately bubbles out of the champagne and leaves it flat. It is that feeling when you stay too long at the party and they turn on the lights. That yang energy is meant to express and the full and complete expression expresses into absolute nothingness. That is its path. That is its nature. There is nothing wrong with that. And there is no reason to change that. That is the nature of yang. Pure yin energy, the true yin energies, are potential. It is the energy gestating. It is the restoring and rejuvenating energy. It is the energy in which everything and nothing is happening. It's not expressing itself. It's not being creative. It is not out in the world. It is in. It is deep, dark, wet, cool. It is the inner energy. And pure yin energy, left utterly to its own devices, unperturbed by any other energy, left to be truly and absolutely in its own true nature, leads to stagnation. And stagnation leads to death. 
And so both of these energies, this true yang energy and true yang energy, the essence of all that our entire universe as we know it is made up of, right? These energies, which are basically two phases of the same energy, nonetheless, both of these energies left to their own devices follow their natural path to death. Different deaths, very different quality of death, but dead is dead. Dead is dead. The only way life happens is that these two energies are one. They dance together. The yang, just before full expression, sinks into the yin to be rejuvenated, to be restored. And in that sinking, the yin gets stirred. The yin is stirred. It longs to be stirred into expression. It longs to know itself, to rise out of that great mystery and to be. And in the being, it expresses itself in its new, unique genius. And just at that moment, it sinks back down. That is the dance of the energy that makes the world that we live in. That is the essence of it. And there is no judgment in that. There is no, neither is better than the other. In fact, they are frankly the same and yet utterly different. They are the same energy. Everything is everything. Everything is energy. Yet this energy phases, it pulses. I don't know what the word is for it, but it moves in these two forms. And it needs to be in constant motion. And that's life. Life as we know it comes out of that dance of the yin and yang energies, which is a wholeness in and of itself. It is not a polarity. Polarized, these two energies lead to death. Life is these two energies as one and the, and the holding of that paradox within our mind. And it is coming to understand that kind of paradox, to hold it as an explanation of life that allows us to begin to see under the surface of things and to recognize that what is going on in this, on the surface is a result of the real energies. They're not the real energies. And so it is this exchange, this flow, this pulsing, this movement of energy between the yin and yang that is the height, the, the pinnacle, the ideal of balance. And the, but the energy must keep moving. It must move. And that is life. So how do we go forward from there? Well, the first thing is we must remember that inherent in that understanding of the true nature of these two energies, the need to express them both, and the need to hold them in our life in a wholeness, is it requires a life without judgment. Discernment, yes. Judgment, no. And so for us to move into true energy exchange, we need to go there without judgment. And it is judgment that allows those other dreams It is that ability to say, well, that person has this, so I can take this. This this judgment, this idea that I actually am tracking what's going on in all things, and I can make that discernment and decide to take this and not give that. 
So that judgment, that there is another judgment that some people deserve to be poor. Some people deserve to be rich. All of these ideas of judgment are the things that separate us, that create that way that the flow is stopped in our life. And so we need to understand that we embrace the yin for its nature, the the yang for its nature, the wholeness and the paradox of that, and we do all of that, endeavoring our very human best to discern what the hell is going on in our life and in ourself, and we do our best to do that without judgment. So our intention then, as we move forward from this bizarre paradox of our life, our intention must be to support and maintain life, or we are simply being suicidal. To, to live an unsustainable dream is suicidal. It makes absolutely no sense. Or it's extremely immature. To be selfish and absolutely self-centered comes and goes in the healthy development of a child. However, to remain so as an adult, to remain selfish and self-centered as an adult is suicidal. This is why shamanic cultures valued the initiation from childhood to adulthood absolutely. The need to move people out of that aspect of childhood where being selfish and self-centered is part of the developmental phases of childhood. But as we grow out of childhood and age into adulthood, we need to be moved there psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. And shamanic cultures understood this and hold this, held this value highly because the only way to get a person to understand the true nature of life is to get them to understand that to not co-create in this interconnected life, to not do that is suicidal. And the only way you can explain that is to someone who is an adult and understands the need to take responsibility for life. So we must mature spiritually or we will simply remain suicidal because we're not children anymore. We are simply being suicidal in the selfishness of our dreams. So cultivating a value for the exchange of energy implies that you, I, we have a consciousness and a willingness to acknowledge the interconnection between humans. That to cultivate a value for the exchange of energy implies that we have a conscious and willing acknowledgement of the interconnection between humans and the natural world that sustains them. And between humans and the invisible energies that sustain everything. So we must risk paying attention to the flow of love and beauty in the day and allow that attention to move us into action that honors and embraces the energetic web of life, literally. In other words, in practical words, that we allow the things that move us, well, backing up one step, we allow ourselves to be moved by life. 
We are not so cut off, so distracted, so busy that the whole day goes by and we notice nothing. We notice no one. We notice nothing. So the first thing is that we allow ourselves to notice kindness, love, beauty, uniqueness, genius, expression, delight. We notice the day. We notice the horrors of the day. And we allow ourselves to be moved by it. And by paying, a, by paying attention and noticing, we then allow our own inner movement of love and beauty. We respond in that energetic exchange. We give thanks for things. My humble shamanic life in New York City, that's where I came into shamanism, is in the middle of one of our most urban, urban environments. And I was very poor and frightened, frankly. And the big change came when I began to give thanks, when I stopped acting like someone who had nothing to be thankful for, when I began to give thanks for the moments, the moments in the day that are countless, the moments of beauty, the moments of love, the moments of horror. And, and I would even give thanks for those because they exposed something within me that I could now make peace with. And bring home. And so I began to leave offerings. I began to wander through the city. Well, not wander. I was usually working or going to class or going to an audition. But moving through the city. With my pockets full of humble things I could leave as offerings. And these were things that I had learned from exploring indigenous people. How did they leave offerings? How do you leave an offering that doesn't look like garbage to someone else? And in a pinch, of course, that's always a song. But anyway, my point is I began to live in a state of gratitude. Now, this was not complete energy exchange yet because it was not quite understanding yet the true reciprocity in things. But at least it was the beginning to give thanks for life, for the wonder of it, the miracle of it. And it helped me to really understand I was not in control and that I didn't even want to be in control because it was so big. And so beautiful was too big a job. But that willingness to step into that state of gratitude in spite of my circumstances, which were challenging, was the beginning of a very, very big change. So that willingness to notice the beauty and the pain, to notice, to be moved by life and to pay attention to those things that bring us joy, to those things that inspire kindness To live in a way that we're paying attention perpetuates power. True power begins to move with the forces of life. True power, not the forces of will or perceived need or lust. These are very powerful forces. I'm not denying that. But when we begin to pay attention to these other things and to begin to offer gratitude and begin to consider this possibility of living in energetic exchange and balance with all things, it begins to perpetuate a power in our life. And that's what began to change me. And that power moves us into action. And those actions, those different actions that I would have taken otherwise, 
perpetuate a kind of power. They perpetuated a power within me, in all parts of myself. Then those parts of myself began to move in greater synchronicity and resonance with each other. That they weren't, I was no longer cut off from them as a person would be cut off or distracted from life. That I could pay attention to them, to reconcile with them, bring these parts of myself home. And live in a way that those parts of myself could develop a synchronicity and a resonance which perpetuates power, true power. And so to move into action based on these motivations begins to then perpetuate power in my community because I was a different person in the world. And so that made it different in all, in, for everyone that I touched in that small community of my life. So this is an old way of thinking. But if communities then can be motivated into action by this true power, to perpetuate this true power through their actions, communities become nations. And nations are the world. This is a possibility. It is an old way, though. I suggest that it's the only way. It is the only sustainable way. It is the only non-suicidal way to live. And it embodies a wisdom that lies just beneath our noticing. We must be willing to be present in life with our hearts. And we must be willing to feel when these energies move in our lives. An example, a very practical example of this, it's very simple. But I have a student who chooses just, I don't know why, of her own free will to tithe a very humble amount to me every month. And she has now for several years. And I receive this with gratitude. And frankly, right now, I donate it to keep the show on the air. But what I find in relationship with this woman is that the energetic exchange between us has completely changed. And that whenever she sends an email, the immediate response to seeing her name is a generosity in my heart that didn't exist before. That is particular to this relationship with this woman because she has chosen in her own humble way to try to be in energetic balance with her shaman. It's a very challenging thing to do because once you engage in working with a shaman – you know, they're attending to things that are happening in your dreams and in between things. They're tracking energies. I mean, it's a very um, pervasive kind of thing, shamanic work. And whatever amount someone pays for a session or a workshop or a class doesn't nearly cover what it is that that shamanic practitioner is doing because there's a whole lot more they're doing before and after the event that's being paid for. And, and this struck her, and so she decided to tithe. And of all of the people, people I know and love that I've worked with for years and years, this powerful generosity moves with the sight of her name on the email. Imagine how I feel when I'm with her. Because she's done her best and succeeded, actually, given the standards of her life, the parameters of her life, which is not, she's not a huge, in huge abundance in her life. And yet this is what she values. 
It moves her. And so she has chosen to act on that movement in her heart and to give this offering. And I know that it's from her heart. It doesn't matter what the numbers are on the check because it's from her heart. And it, it's this huge, huge feeling of these, they're almost like the gears of the energy that moves the world coming into this ease and into this balance and into this flow. It's, it's astounding. And it's simple. It's so simple. It's so humble. And yet so powerful. It perpetuates this huge power in our relationship. And over the years, what has happened? Because of this power that it perpe- has been perpetuated by her humble act monthly, it gets easier and easier and easier to work shamanically on her behalf. Um, And since I don't have any other clients or students that are doing that, I don't have anything else to compare it to except this. And I've worked with her for many years before she started doing this. But it's it's a huge change. I, I can't even begin to describe it. But I share it now because it's such a simple example. And if every single person listening did one act like this in their life. It would perpetuate real power somewhere in their relationship dynamics in their life. And it would begin to change things. And I say that from this experience with this woman, not from these ideas I've been taught by shamans around the globe, but because of this experience with this woman. It is so... Um, the result of the humble action is so many times more powerful than the act itself because of what is motivating the act and how it's being received and how it's perpetuating. I, it's, it's truly incredible. So let's try this. For you in your own life, let's try this. So first off, do you value kindness? Now, I have certainly met people that don't. So this may not work for everybody. But those people probably are not bothering to download this show. They're probably still on Voice America listening to some business program or something. But anyway, not that there's anything wrong with business or Voice America. Do you value kindness? Do you enjoy the kindness of others? I certainly do. Do you enjoy the care of others? Do you enjoy the experience of being kind? I personally really enjoy random acts of kindness. It makes me feel like some kind of imp from the other world, and I adore it. But I don't know. I'm just asking you, do you value kindness? Because if you value kindness and caring, then you must feel your feelings and emotions. I do not mean emoting. I don't mean you need to share your emotional baggage with all those around you. That's not what I'm saying. I mean this equally true for men and for women. I mean you must be willing to feel. To value kindness and caring, you must be willing to feel. And you must be willing to feel so that you can connect with beauty and love. And I mean those in their biggest sense. And on those really good days, you are able then to radiate beauty and love. 
So if you simply value kindness, then you must be able to feel. And if you can feel, if you're willing to feel, then you can connect with love and beauty. So number two, let's try this. Are you tired of making the same mistakes again and again? Or maybe they're not even mistakes. You're just tired of your life. You're tired of the same issues. Tired of the same job. Tired of the same dynamic in your relationship. Tired of the fact that your kids don't respect you. Tired. Tired of life. Then you must choose to begin to learn from it. It's not going to go away. It's all there for you to learn. Your life is perfect. It's the perfect teacher. So when you wake up and value learning, then you can engage in your life. You engage below the surface of things, into the real energies. And you engage in the way of knowledge. You begin to learn from your life. And then you begin to know things. And then you begin to remember. And when we remember, then we start to know why we are here. We can begin to disconnect from the story, the story of our childhood, of our religion, of our culture, whatever story it is that keeps us on the surface. When we start to remember, then we can start to know why we are here and feel the movement of the real energies below the surface of things and begin to allow ourselves to be moved by what has meaning and purpose in our lives. And when we feel the energy of things that have meaning and purpose to us, then we must act. Remember what I said about stagnation. To feel the movement of things that have meaning and purpose, to notice beauty, to feel love and do nothing, is stagnation. Stagnation, if you remember, leads to death. Frankly, there's usually depression on the way, but stagnation leads to death. So we must act. We must allow ourselves to be moved. Remember what I said in the beginning, the energies of life need to move. They need to transform from thing to thing to thing. So when we feel the energy of things that have meaning and purpose to us, we must act. And not meaning and purpose based on things you've been told, but that Feel that you feel meaning and purpose from them within yourself, in that heart that opened up, remember, because you valued kindness, because you could notice beauty and love. So when you feel the things that have meaning and purpose for you, you must act. That is at the heart of energetic exchange. Human life is a way of action or choice depending on your perspective, even if the action is to choose non-action, to choose a life of solitude, a life of meditation, maybe a life of silence, it is still a choice. It is still an action. Life is still a way of action. You must act by what moves you in your heart. For example, choosing to leave a very small tip and letting your server know that the service was horrible is a different act than not tipping because you can get away with it. 
And these are different entirely from simply forgetting to tip and different still from expressing your gratitude for a delightful meal with a lovely server who met your every need the moment you thought of it without being overbearing. These actions are different than expressing your gratitude for that meal with kind words and your generosity, your actions. This all translates into the actions of our life. For most of us, the majority of our actions are expressed through the hours spent at work. And this is why finding right livelihood that is ecologically sound, that benefits others, and encourages community service around you is essential. Your life is a life of action. Otherwise, it's a life of stagnation, and that is death. So your life is a life of action and choice. So you must find right livelihood because the majority of your actions will be expressed through your work. And that right livelihood must express the interconnectedness of all things so that what you do with your work as it extends out into the world, continues to keep the energy exchange in balance. So it really isn't okay to say, well, I didn't know what Enron was doing. I didn't know what BP was doing. Yes, you do. If you don't like it, move, act. Act based on the things that have meaning and purpose for your heart. And organize your life accordingly. So right livelihood takes into account the energy of interconnectedness and helps that energy to flow through your life when you are at work, when you are at rest, and when you are at play. And if you value life, even if you only value your life, even if you don't care about mine, you just value yours, but if you value life, then you must value the interconnectedness of life. This is the energetic reality we live in. Valuing that energetic reality and choosing to live and to act in a way that responds to that interconnection is called the way of life. In other words, living in a way that accepts reality is the way of life, shamanically. In shamanic cultures... That means that adults are aware of and value the matrix of energy that results in life or the circle of life or the web of life, whatever you want to call it. That, so they value that, inter, that vast and unimaginable interconnectedness that results in life as we know it and that links all things on earth. And then finally, given this interconnectedness, living in a way that values it, And given this energetic reality of life, we must live in reciprocity with it. Life is a great mystery and a miracle. We must live in gratitude for that miracle. That is the way of energy exchange, reciprocity and gratitude. It is a way of living in awareness of our shared reality. It's not about being a good person. It's about living in reality. It's about engaging in the energetic connectedness of things in a way that the energies keep flowing through your life. 
Even your quote-unquote mom issues or dad issues, they're not yours. The energy you use to hold those in your body so you have a reason to go to your therapist once a week, that energy isn't yours. It wasn't destined to be somebody's parental issues stuck in their body. It was destined to be a rainbow. Maybe it was destined to be famine somewhere. I don't know what it was destined to be, but it's not yours. Let it go. Let the energies move. Live in a way that understands and honors the interconnectedness of things. And live in a way that honors those things through a kind of reciprocity and gratitude for your life. And in this way, understanding this law of universal responsibility, this principle of universal responsibility, we return back to the very beginning of this. Hey, let's try this. Back to beauty and love. If we live in this way that honors this interconnectedness, if we live in reciprocity and gratitude, then we live in a way that expresses the beauty and the love inherent in all things. And that perpetuates true power. And the cycle continues. The energies continue to flow. And you become part of the real reality. In that, the circle is complete. When you are willing to live in a way that completes the circle, the energy will flow in your life. It will not be a chore to restore balance again and again throughout the day. And from that flow that comes through living in a state of reciprocity and gratitude, living in a way that attends to the exchange of energy, from that flow and balance will come your own sustainable well-being. Thank you all for listening this week. I want to give thanks to the ancestors who understood all of this far better than I could explain it today. And I thank you. Continue to teach us. Help us to hear what we don't want to listen to. And help us to share with each other truly from our hearts. We give thanks to the earth below, that great teacher of the interconnection of all things and the sky above. Protect us. Help us with your generosity that we might learn. And we give thanks to the heart that unites us all. Next week, the show is going to be about shamanism and how shamanic skills and shamanic healing is being used in the treatment and healing of cancer. We'll explore a variety of ways that shamanism is being used for people diagnosed with cancer, but also by people diagnosed with cancer um, in finding a path of effective treatment and healing. And for those of you who are new to the show, you can find all the shows on uh, our website, uh, whyshamanismnow.com. Um, you can download the shows also from iTunes. You do need to resubscribe. For those of you that were early subscribers, you need to resubscribe. Um, my website, if you'd like to find out more about teaching and um, healing work with me, is lastmaskcenter.org. And if you'd like a weekly, uh, single we- email a week reminding you about the show and the topics, please email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Enjoy your week. Thank you.